In a world where one woman locks herself inside a quiet studio and doesn't come out until the podcast is done, welcome to Spotlight Conversations with Donna Reed, a place you can get connected with Donna and her friends and listen in on some great conversation. And thankfully, unlike the intro you just heard, it's a drama-free zone. You're welcome. Now, as we listen to a bit of music from the amazing Mark Sparrow to lead us in, it's my pleasure to introduce the one, the only, Donna Reed. Hello. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Spotlight Conversations, where I talk to friends in music and any kind of media. I know a lot of people that do a lot of media, so let's talk to them. Follow me on Instagram at Donna Reed VO and at Spotlight Conversations. I'm also on Twitter at Donna Reed VO. And when I'm not in the studio talking, I like to come up with music playlists. I kind of backtrack a little bit and tell you this story. A couple years ago, AccuRadio was asking radio people, if you were to come up with your own special playlist, music you really like, music that's very unique, I was like, I was all over it. And I don't know where the songs came from. I don't even know how I came up with this name. But I decided to call it the Leopard Print Lounge Chair. <laughs> I know, what? It's going to be kind of a groovy, alternative rock, classic rock, maybe some pop in there. It's very eclectic. And they liked it. But I found out a couple weeks ago that the Leopard Print Lounge Chair, the LPLC, was the featured channel. And after you listen to the podcast, go to AccuRadio.com and search for the Leopard Print Lounge Chair and give it a listen. I think you'll like it. And speaking of music, I thought this would be a good time to invite the creator of this amazing theme song for Spotlight Conversations, Mr. Mark Sparrow. Welcome. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> and I, I really like what you did. Um, you and Joe Szymanski, the voice guy, just put together so many different things. It sounds really good. It's like a new updated version. And I really like it. The intro, the outro of the podcast. Yeah, it's very, very exciting. He's he's a great announcer. He is. When you come up with music, because you write lyrics and you write music too? I don't or? write a lot of lyric. Okay. I, I mostly do uh, co-write stuff and produce all the music for things. So what inspires you to write something original musically? Um, theme. Yeah. A lot of time theme, you know, so if if it's a country song or if it's a... Uh, a rock tune, a classic rock song, song about motorcycles, song about, right. <laughs> you know, it just uh, it takes on the theme and then you take it from there. And there's very little new music out. Most of it is all regenerated from ideas that you've gotten right. from your past. So um, try to make it interesting, but not steal. <laughs> yes, exactly. Now, in the past, we talked about this in an, another podcast. In another podcast, you've toured with a lot of big bands, so you were probably inspired that way too to write music. Yeah, I learned a lot back then, you know. But I, I was a, a a youthful, I know it all type guy back then. But <laughs> you were. Everybody <laughs> well, does. Everybody's yeah. like that. I thought I was. I thought you know the world was uh, all wrapped around my finger there for a little while. Uh-huh. But but yeah, I, I um, spent a lot of time playing music on the road with many different people, and um, the 
the bands were really good, you know, back back in the day. We, so, we were we were limited by our technology, but uh, yeah. When you went on tour, did you have a lot of experience, or how did you get your? And who was your first gig on on tour? And what kind of experience did you have as you took that first gig? Well, pretty much, I was playing professionally from being, I don't know, 14, 15 years old with country bands. And um, when I graduated in 80, immediately I went on the road with a band the day after graduation. Wow. <laughs> so God, I traveled and played all the Holiday Inns and Ramada Inns. And all. back then they used to have lounges in all the yeah. bigger hotels and stuff. So I, I did that and it was great learning experience for an 18 year old <laughs> oh yeah for sure so then when did it kind of change when you you did a whole mess of those i'm sure you yeah, paid your dues I, and then something I, else happened. couple couple years i did that and uh then a big uh star came back home to my local area and was looking for players and who is he that did, his name was uh dennis teakin and he was a a, a very famous um drummer and he was on the road with Diana Ross in, I think it was 90, or uh, 83, 83, I think it was, uh-huh. 82 or 83. And he was on the Diana Ross tour, and their band was the opening act for Diana Ross. Uh-huh. And um, Mickey Free was the singer in the band, and he became good friends with Gene Simmons and um, started playing with Shalimar. He was one of the three of oh, Shalimar. Yeah, yeah. He got like three Grammys, I think, that year um, with uh, Dance in the Sheets and some other stuff. But he, he's still in L.A. And um, the bass player went on to play with Cheap Trick when Tom Peterson left for that little time. Dream Police, I think, came out or whatever. Oh, yeah. So the bass player ended up playing with Cheap Trick and the keyboard player was playing with Cheap Trick. He was the background guy, you know, hired hand. And the drummer came back home. So he came looking for people. And he saw me playing in a club. And immediately he grabbed a hold of me and said, okay, you're playing with me. And uh, we we did tours of Chicago and all, all over that. Uh, um, larger cities in the Midwest. Uh, we played with the Romantics. We played with Molly Hatchett. We played with Rick Derringer and... It, it was it was quite a thing for a 21-year-old. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm sure, and all the vices that go with that. What was the craziest tour, the one that, it you know, years later it sticks in your, ma- in your brain and you go, oh, oh, yeah, I'll never forget that tour? Um, I don't think the tour ever stopped. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I mean, yeah, well, you mean that, that one, the one gig you had that you, you look back and you go, wow. I'll remember that one. I really remember. Uh, I they were they were all very good in their own way. Uh-huh. You know, um, each one of them had their little special thing. Like when we played with Rick Derringer, we hung out at the agent's place, and uh, he had long talks with us. You know, because we were just twenty-one-year-old guys, and he oh, was, it. you know, he was super uh, uh, involved in his life with music. And he he said, "This is what you do. This is what you don't do." Was he right uh, now looking back? I mean, now when you look where you are. I don't remember what he told me. (laughs) (laughs) We must have had something he said that was like, you know, stay away from or be sure you embrace the. No, that that was in Las Vegas is where Uh, I used to have those long talks with 
uh, entertainers that would come on after us when we played like Stardust and stuff like that. They would they would try to uh, mentor me and they would say, never bring more than five dollars to a gig. <laughs> oh, and that, because oh, because everybody's going to pay for everything for you. Yeah, or yeah, else you'd be right. end up drinking all night long. <laughs> so uh, when touring and then Vegas, because uh-huh. I know that's how we met. You were yep. uh, you're in Vegas. How how different are gigs when you're in Vegas doing a show compared to on the road? Well, immediately I had to uh, brush up on reading Ooh. music, you know, because everybody reads charts. Uh, back then, back in the nineties, it was all about charts and, uh, you'd show up to a gig and never know the music, never know anything. And just basically have to read sight, read the chart. Ooh. And, um, that took a little bit of reminiscing to get back to reading, which came from my high school days mm-hmm. of playing trombone. Mm-hmm. But um, I was able to read okay, and uh, I would play during the day at the uh, Four Queens with a guy named Don Dino. Um, you can still find him on the internet. He plays the Italian American club out there all the time. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, he's 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 a very popular crooner. Uh, you know the tuxedos and the always um, polite, and you know. Uh-huh. Just just an entertainer, you know, extreme right. entertainer. He was my daytime gig at the Four Queens. And then at night I played with the old Coasters band. Oh. And it was just a total different. Those guys were great showmen, but they were just nothing but fun. Oh, <laughs> you know, I see what you mean. The music right, was right. fun. Everything was fun. Um, and then I was uh, ended up at the Stardust playing with an Irish band. We were kind of the house band at the startup. I bet that was different. A, a lot of the guys had to change their names to fit the Irish oh. uh, feel. Uh-huh. But my my sparrow didn't need to be changed. Uh, yeah. But uh, there were, you know, some Italian guys and some other people that had names that weren't <laughs> Irish connected. <laughs> I mean, entertainment in Vegas, it's so different than entertainment anywhere else. When I first moved there, I yes, noticed that immediately. Now it's not as uh, locally music inspired, but um, back then it was six six days a week, six hours a day, and you eat your lunch on a third break, and you know go ha- to the hot dog stand or whatever and get something. One of those gigantic. Yeah. yeah. Well, the casinos have those buffets that are like yeah, yeah. there's always something good to eat there. Did you like gigs in Vegas? I enjoyed it. it. It was a different life because yeah. you would show yeah. up and everything was supplied for you except for your instrument. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, sometimes you play to a uh, volume control that is a little unnatural, you know, because the volume is so important to be not loud, you know, uh, when you got gamblers out there. Yeah, um, that's right. One, one place we played in um, Samstown. Yeah, uh, w- which is out on the uh, Boulder Highway. It is at the stage. You couldn't see it, but above us uh, was a red light, and the same red light was in the pit bosses area, and it had a meter on it. And if we hit that threshold, the light would light up in both places, and you had to immediately get yourself down. Ooh, because a pit boss could totally shut you down. Right, right. How many people? would be there to watch you guys 
probably 150, 200 people, you know, in and out. They would constantly go in and out. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, breaks were real important. They they were set at 40 minutes on, 20 minutes off because they had that all figured out how much money they lose if the band right. doesn't break at a certain point. Is that the same for places like uh, the ones that are on the Strip? You get a certain amount of time. Is it smaller crowds? Oh, yeah. yeah, same uh, thing. Huh? Well, it's not small, but it's always moving. It's intermoving. Interesting. Um, and the uh, junkets back then, you know, we had junkets that would come in Mondays and uh, leave and come in. And on Thursdays, same thing. So we'd see new people every Monday and Thursday. Oh, yeah. I mean, would you recommend a gig or two in Vegas for an extended period of time for a musician, either starting out or somebody's got some good chops and they just need the experience? Uh, nowadays, not so much. Huh. Uh, there, there aren't as many lounges open. Um, and the DJs are pretty prevalent there. Um, one of my good friends plays with Wayne Newton. Uh, he plays piano for him, and Wayne has a um, a new show called Up Close and Personal or something like that, where he goes back in the his archives of who he played with and everything. He Ooh. does the video, and uh, he's starting again next year. To do a, a full blown out, uh, it's a concert. regular gig, yeah. yeah. So it's an ongoing. So when did you leave Vegas? I guess that was a couple. That was a while ago. Four and a half years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you were with. Go ahead. Big move. <laughs> I bet because you're now in the Midwest. Oh my gosh, culture shock, right? You're going because you're from the Midwest originally. Yeah. Yeah, That's Ill- your, Illinois. Illinois. But I left. I right. left immediately. Um, but yeah, the the weather's a. Uh, a real interesting thing here. I mean, it's 50-some <laughs> degrees out there right now in sunshine. But Vegas, is, it's just like yeah. it's hot. But it's yeah. not like you're in Houston where you're sweating. It's like oven hot. It's like dry. It's dry yeah, heat. Yeah, very dry. So what did you do to kind of reinvent yourself when you went back to the Midwest after being in Vegas for a while? It was very difficult. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I've seen it before go in the opposite direction. Somebody new, you know, new kid in town. Right. right. <laughs> I didn't know anybody. And I just started doing what I know, always do, you know, and um, went out, played, learned to meet people, things like that. But they were very tight niched. You know, they um, they had their people that they lived with, grew up with, played with forever. Right. They don't really accept too many new people yeah and it was difficult and i ended up making a solo act which i had never done before how'd you like that compared to other gigs i was bored yeah 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 (laughs) you know playing an acoustic guitar and singing a song right Uh, to me that wasn't fulfilling my musical you know thoughts and my ears so Immediately, I took my uh, background of composing and started doing all my backing tracks and created a big band effect for every song I was doing. And what equipment do you use? Uh, for what I play out? Yeah. Um, a computer, That's mainly, and uh, an iPad to control that computer. And um, and I, that has built over the last four years to something just extraordinary that everybody just wows because um, initially it was acoustic guitar and singing and just playing 
old songs or whatever. Yeah. And then I added a few backing tracks and did all that stuff on an iPad and had the lyrics scrolling. Then I got bored again. <laughs> so I started coming back to the days of when I was working for casinos and uh, there was a casino that I, I helped out. Uh, they had a show called The Divas, hmm. and it was a bunch of lookalikes like Madonnas and Shares, and uh-huh. uh, they would come out and they would sing, and he had the uh, videos of the original songs playing on the big screens in the casino showroom, and he had karaoke tracks as the backing tracks. So I put the backing tracks in with the videos Wow. And the girls would come out and it would have the original video behind them and they'd sing to it. So I took and that was back before DVDs. It, mm-hmm. it was a long time ago. And um, I took that knowledge and updated it to three years ago, four years ago. Mm-hmm. And now I have all the videos behind me of the bands that I'm playing in sync with the backing tracks that I created. <laughs> reinvention, reinvention. Yeah, and I, and yeah. I just have to just intercept here and let the audience know when I moved to Vegas, my husband and I and our two kids moved to Vegas, Peter um, went over to a music store and that's how he met you. AJ. And yeah, AJ's music. And it, I had a, my home studio, I was starting voiceover work. And I just have to say you were instrumental in getting that studio set up in Vegas. And every other place in between, I mean, there were gaps where I, you know, we might not have talk that much but Mm -hmm. if it got really oh this doesn't sound right you know i'd say i'd call mark sparrow and and i know when you're talking about these stories of what you're doing reinventing yourself i know it comes from a good place where you know your stuff because um you definitely know sound and it sounds like you know video too well technology you know technology video is is uh is right up there these days as right. being extremely important. Every concert you go to, there's video. Right. Um, and what's funny is that Wayne Newton show I told you about, mm-hmm. he's doing the same thing that I'm doing. Is he? He's got Get the him videos in of, here. of Wait, he Sam, Sammy Davis Jr. behind him, and then he's muted out his vocal track. And he's singing with Sammy Davis behind him. So it's here I was sitting, I, I went out to see it about two years ago or so, my buddy invited me to come check it out. Uh-huh. And I was like, wait a minute. This is what I'm doing. <laughs> hey, well, let's let's get Wayne to give you some cred, you know, when he gets on there. Hey, I got this idea from Mark Sparrow, you know, the, the mu- musician extraordinaire. So you're reinventing yourself and you're coming up with, do you, now are you liking what you're doing? You know, you've got this new yes. way of performing. Okay. And I've got it down to a science, you mm-hmm. know, where I can get in, set up and, half hour 40 minutes uh i don't carry an amp everything's virtual everything uh people don't know what to expect (laughs) yeah so do you think you'd bring somebody in to like play an instrument with you or are you kind of like i I like people are afraid yeah people are afraid to to play to a uh, computer people are afraid to have somebody else uh tell them when to start, stop and how fast. And, you know, they, they, people will take a song and almost destroy it just to make it They're, how they feel comfortable. Uh, or, or the wrong key. Even. It, it could be a key. It could be, uh, they'll stop in the middle or they'll be out of time or play the wrong chord just because they think it's the right chord. Huh. And, you know, when you put them into perfection, <laughs> They feel uncomfortable because you can't fix a mistake. 
you know, once you've made that mistake, you better be musical capable of getting yourself where that machine is because <laughs> it's not going to fix it for you. So the perfect musician to play with you or singer to play with you would be it's somebody the one who... that I created. It's me because it's yeah. me playing behind me. Yeah. So you know what you're going to anticipate. So even the best singer songwriter, let me just rearrange it, I guess, to say that came into the studio with you. It was just a whatever you want to do. OK, I'll do it. Yeah, whatever. They didn't have any preconceived ideas of what it should sound like. That would be the second best thing. Right to what you're what you're doing. So do yeah. you do covers and? Uh, I, I don't do any original stuff. I, I do al almost all co cover for sure. Who do you like the uh, best to cover? Um, I have a audience that kind of re request songs <gasps> and things that I would never do. Yeah, sometimes they come up with these ideas, and I'll go home and I'll create it, and I'll I'll play it and do it. Uh, one of them. Uh, I did uh, whiskey, wine, beer, and whiskey is know. one that I'm doing right now, which is kind of a uh, upbeat country, new country type mm -hmm. song. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't remember the name of the band. And then the okay. other one was a, a it's called uh, Fancy Like. F Fancy Like Applebee's on a date night. And that's totally not me. <laughs> but Walker Hayes. You're talking about Walker yeah, Hayes. Yeah yeah. yeah. yeah, I do it and they love it. And, you know, it's just, it's not totally my style, but hey. Now, when do you do get it. these requests? Do they, do you go into the, the place you're going to be doing your show at and go, okay, what, what music do they want to hear? I mean, how do you know what the requests are? I have a following. Yeah. Um, and I play a house gig here uh, at a local place um, called the Clydesdale Stonehouse. And uh, I'm there every Tuesday. So I have a following that always comes there. I play AM Vets. I play uh, upstairs at this place downtown. And a lot of these places are sports bars. So I get the TV. So immediately I punch into all their TVs and I've got all my backing TVs behind me. And in front of me, behind the bar. <laughs> That's so cool. So you could ever get anybody that wants to go up there and sing with you or play? Sometimes. And how do you handle it? I'll pick something that's real easy. <laughs> yeah. You don't ask them, what key is that, man? No. <laughs> no. And if they have their guitar, I let them come up and I just play with them, you know, uh, and not have any backing track. Since you've had this very long career in music, I'm guessing 30 years anyway. Oh, more than that. Probably 40. Yeah, more than that. Yeah. Um, What's the one thing that keeps people from achieving their, their potential in music? Uh, lifestyle changes, life mm. changes. Um, I, I've always... Mu music is not a guarantee. Mm. No matter what you do, we, we're not like uh, a corporate mm -hmm. <laughs> environment. Mm -hmm. we, we don't mm -hmm. have a way to go up the ladder. Mm -hmm. If you do by chance get to go up the ladder, great. You know, you've got plenty behind you. You don't have to worry about anything. But a musician has to live for the moment and enjoy what he gets as he gets it, you know, and and you don't have any sick days, you don't have any Yeah, <laughs> so right. You got to be real careful, you know. It's it's uh it's a a difficult life. And I've saved friends, you know, that were in that life. Um, when I changed my course to 
making the music for the slot machines. I was working in a corporate America. You know, I was working for Konami Gaming for 14 years in a cubicle. And I had a really good friend that was a list keyboard player in Vegas. And he was starving, Hmm. um, looking for work and not knowing what the next work was going to be. And he's one of those guys that was able to play anything, read anything, you know, set in with anybody. Um, And I had this opening come up and I got a hold of him. And his thing was, Mark, you saved my life. (laughs) You know, you got me a job that I would have never been able to get. And he was so thankful for that thing. He he, uh, passed, um, I think, about seven years ago or so. Uh, he had a lot of heart problems, but but he he was an incredible musician. I'm talking to Mark Sparrow. Yes, another one incredible musician, tech savvy, my go-to guy for anything sound, and also who created the wondrous uh, theme song for Spotlight Conversations. <laughs> um, now, we talked earlier, you were working with Konami Games doing music for the slot machines when you were living mm-hmm. in Vegas. That's yes. completely different than touring with Molly Hatchet and the Romantics. And yeah. I know it's their music. It's not your music. Then you were doing your own stuff eventually. But slot machine music, how do you get inspired to do that? There is some uh, psychological stuff you have to know. Oh, really? Like, can you share it or is that kind of? Well, it's it's still theory. You know, mm. I, I if I was to give it then it may not be something that they should really follow. It's something everybody should have. I've worked with a lot of people that I've come up with my own theory and my own psychological thoughts of what it should be. And so far it's working well. Things have changed a lot though. Physical games are not, I, I don't make them as much as I used to. I used to make physical games where you would go to the casino and play them. Oh, so, so you'd sit down were, at a slot machine and you'd hear music and see. They the... were a cabinet. Yeah. <sighs> you know, it. and there's uh, speakers in that cabinet. And you, you had other companies as your competition in the same room. So if you can imagine oh, wow. having uh, two bands in the same room playing two different songs. So the psychology you're talking about, you've got to keep them just so focused and keep putting money in. I mean, they're just 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 sucked in. I hate to use that word, but wow. And not be annoyed by the competitors next to you. So you got to be careful with tonal pitches, keys. um, And the other thing is advertising. You know, uh, in the casino, you've got loud sounds whenever somebody yeah. wins oh, or yeah. if there's a, a bonus triggered you hear that common school bell type sound or you hear uh konami's big sound was the boxing sound kong kong oh kong. yeah mm-hmm. so they're rocky that's yep. because their first game was rocky so <laughs> they <laughs> they use that same sound as their triggering device um but all the companies have their little niches they're trying to go for there's uh the one company, uh, Aristocrat, that had Buffalo. Buffalo! And you can hear that through the whole casino. And it supersedes everybody else's, whatever yeah. they're... Wa- and you oh, know okay. that somebody's playing Buffalo. Um, huh. For all the years, everybody's looking for that uh, uh, mark, you know, that 
And it's usually a, a, a sound signature mark. It's like music and when you, uh, top 40 back in the day, there was like a, a, a hook. A hook, yeah. 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 So uh, when you put- a me- Memorable, memorable hook. It sticks with you. When you yeah. come up with the music for slot machines, is it is it like, okay, I need, like your boss would say, I need 30 seconds and a continuous loop playing all the time? Yep. Really? And I was just throwing within, that- Within a style. Okay. Uh, you, you can't embellish. So no embellishments. It's got to be very um, listening, mm-hmm. you know, can't can't have ups and downs. You know, it has to be very straightforward. It can't have a lot of high pitch instruments because these people could be playing it for hours. <laughs> oh, and they get it's like any song going back to radio. If you played a top 40 song over and over, no matter how much yep. you like a certain artist, it's like, OK, enough already. And you want the embellishments saved for when they're winning. So when there is a key feature or a key item, you mm-hmm. want to make sure it stands out over that background music. Wow. So you got to be real careful with balance and things like that. But what I was saying was that I used to do that on physical machines, mm-hmm. which were the machines that the customers would play and you'd have co- competitors all around them. Now I do it for people on their phone or people on their iPad. So now I'm intimate. I'm only with that one person. I don't have a company that I have to worry about next to me. So the old advertising sounds aren't that important. So you got to re rethink and reconsider all that stuff. And there's a lot more sound yeah. in, the pers- in the personal devices. Captive than audience. Right. Than what there are in a, a, a physical slot machine because you have casino sound to cover a lot of that. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of theory behind it, you know, and a lot of thought. Um, and as far as the music goes, they're usually games that are associated with gold and money and, um, you know, Aztec, Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. very, very, uh, fantasy money things. So they have a theme. People are probably deciding why go to Vegas when I can play the slots online, especially with COVID. Yeah. yeah. So what's coming up for you 2022? Got the band that I play with here, which is a three-piece. All right. Uh, what do you call yourselves? Steamtown Road. Nice. And it's becoming very popular. Um, it's a country rock trio, no drums. And I play dobro and mandolin and guitar and... It's newer country. We have a young guy that just graduated out of high school. He's about 18, 19. He's got an incredible voice. and uh, Everybody plays multi-instruments. Oh, that's perfect. So, you know, the whole stage is full of instruments. And majority is acoustic. So it, it's really interesting. And three vocalists. So a lot of harmonies and things like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, harmonies and acoustic. Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. So um, how, how did and you... That's, that's like a weekend festival band. Band. So we, we play a lot during the fairs. We play a lot during the outside festivals. And that's my weekend band. Um, I don't make as much money because it's a band. Uh-huh. But... Uh, You're out there. It keeps, it keeps me separate. Yeah. It keeps my solo act weekly. It keeps me band-wise or solo act on weekend. All right. Tell me where your next gig is going to be. Um, what about in January? Every Tuesday at the Clydesdale Stonehouse uh, in Delaware, Ohio, 
on Route 42. Well, thank you very much for coming in. Oh, thank I, you, Donna. I really appreciate it. Thank you. They're in uh, Donna's podcast land. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to Spotlight Conversations with Donna Reed. Subscribe on Apple and Spotify podcasts or your favorite platform. Thanks for tuning in.